Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the season finale. The only season finale, finale with the science finale, and the finale. screaming to literally pick the best movie of any given year. And we are given 1973 and we're plowing through. The contestants currently are Exorcist, The Sting, Don't Look Now, The Long Goodbye, Coffee, The Harder They Come, Mean Streets, and Paper Moon. These are the movies that have defeated all competitors. And now... They will square off against each other. Joining me to watch the carnage and to participate in it, Mike and Ryan, my bosom chums. Welcome, gentlemen. Are you excited to finally pick 73's movie of the year? Can I ask Mike a question? Yeah, lay it on him. Okay, Top I was going to say no, but Greg said yes. So You were going to say no, even ask though we're on a, a podcast. Great improvising, Mike. Wonderful, wonderful job. Yes, uh, and I will maybe answer it. Top 100 movie of the year movies of all time. How many of these eight are in there? In the top 100 movie of the year movies. Seven. That's pretty good. I would say it's that a that's a pretty good year, season. Guys. When yeah. you rattled off these eight, I'm like, well, there's a fucking season. Yeah, uh, I think when you I boil feel like it down to eight, it, it looks really, really good. We've been talking a lot of shit on 73. Like, oh, it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. This is... These are eight fucking movies. These are bangers. This is hit after yeah. hit after hit. It's especially when if you're like me and like your season isn't for another forty years, but you're <laughs> looking, you're picking the years. There's a lot of man looking at the '90s and 2000s. It's like, oh fuck this. Yeah. Mike's next season is not in 2046. It's covering 2046. Yes. <laughs> And those movies, movies are going to blow our minds. Of the future years. They're all in 5D. You wouldn't understand it. It's a lot of characters sneezing on you, and you can feel this knot. Mm-hmm. Now that we have separated the wheat from the chaff, are you at all nervous about having to get down to just one movie, Ryan? This is where I um, don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to think, and I especially, particularly, don't know what the fuck uh, Young Buck Dynamo, dynamite, firecracker, firework, microvania is going to think because he has just been thrown in here to explode yeah. things. I have will only answer to that full title from now on. <laughs> Young Buck, dynamo, dynamite. dynamite. <laughs> How about dynamite? Can we just shorten oh, it to that? Oh, dynamite. Dynamite. Or dynamite because I'm half Mike, half dinosaur. I'm into I all have- of it. Now that you now that you are stationed in Colorado, I think that you are half dinosaur. I feel very confident. In yeah. That. Does I Colorado have Denver, a lot of dinosaurs? Because of Denver, the last oh dinosaur. Denver, the last dinosaur. Exactly. Yeah. He's my friend and a whole lot so much more. more. Which means <laughs> he gives you hand jobs. Right? Yeah. He uh, Denver, the last dinosaur's theme song uh, reminds me of the Mr. Bucket theme song. The Mr. Bucket, put your balls in my mouth. The Mr. <laughs> they like <laughs> do another pass, guys, on these lyrics. <laughs> Well, you know what, gentlemen? Let's take a brief break, and then let's come right back and start making the tough decisions. Our first matchup is different types of movies, but both very good. Number one seed, The Exorcist, versus number eight seed, The Sting. Movies can be so many things, and they can make us feel very good, or they can make us feel very bad. Mike... Are you more drawn to the movies that make you feel very good or the ones that make you feel very bad? The Sting made me feel so good. It made me want to rewatch yes. so many or watch for the first time so many Robert Redford and the Salad Dressing Guys other movies. Butch Casting the Sundance Kid. I haven't like. seen that one. 
together or separately, I would like to see more of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but The Exorcist is is number one and is very 70s, where The Sting is. What, what a good movie that could take place at any time and come out at any time. And it's set. This thing is set in the past. There's not even a year. <laughs> no. It's just like oh, the before the fairy time. tale past of the... America. <laughs> we're, we're three or four different pasts all exist at the same time. I believe Ryan, the beginning are we of missing this thing too easily here. The, the start of this thing it said previously on, <laughs> and then it just oh, said there. nothing. <laughs> uh look. If I'm gonna wait, is Mike look or listen? Mike is listen. What okay. does that mean? My wife and Mike, they both start every conversation with either look or listen. I can never remember which one does which. Uh, I am going to dismiss this thing, but that's because I love The Exorcist. I think it's a great movie. I once quoted, I'm going to quote a once great critic, Ryan, who once quoted a thing he read on the internet that said that The Exorcist put evil on film, guys. That's a fucking crazy thing to say. Did The Sting put evil on film? It no. put charm on film. No. High what, jinx, maybe. Charm on what film. If, what if this thing did put evil on film? It would go a little something <laughs> like this. I think some would argue that the true face of evil is more like seductive rather than kind of like gross and Charles Durning. And so the true evil in that way, yeah. <laughs> the the dirting the dirting effect. I do, um, I do dock points from The Exorcist for being a movie in 1973 and not having Charles Durning. That was a well, yeah. What the fuck? It was right there. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> Just did, if you delay filming a little bit, he'll clear up his schedule. He'll did get, we? He'll come down off that pole. <laughs> <laughs> did we do 1980 movie of the year and Charles Durning was nominated for, or 1982 we did movie of the year and yes. he was nominated for Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this 75, guy, he was nominated for Dog Day Afternoon. Dog we Day are Afternoon. the Durning Dudes, is which is the spinoff <laughs> podcast we're going to do instead of Movie of the Year. Uh, this guy needs to be in the Hall of Fame as soon as possible. And, like, uh, are we ever, like, Durning was not good in no. this. No. No, no, That's no. never happened. He always shows. Uh, Durning, Durning, and the widening gyre. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Um, I feel like... We have seen the sting to its logical end, <laughs> right? Doesn't it, d- does it feel like this is us saying, like, hey, the sting, you gave us a lot of entertainment and we talked about you, but sometimes you just go out there and you fight a heavyweight and there's just nothing you can do about it. I think the amount of fucked up weird things, some to, like, Greg's unappreciation, but mostly all to my appreciation that The Exorcist does, of just like, what the fuck yeah. in a Hollywood movie <laughs> that The Exorcist does, I think are so great. Like, I just, I can't vote against it. There's so many things where just because I am a lapsed Catholic, but I still have that Catholic upbringing, I'm like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> don't. Do oh, you can't. Don't no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't put that on, on film. So, Ryan, are you a vote for The Exorcist? Very much so, sir. Mike, what do you say? Very much so, sir. The Exorcist moves on. I mean, it's nothing against The Sting. It it won many battles, but it just could not quite take out something as powerful as The Exorcist. It has the devil in it, you guys. Pazuzu. <laughs> Up next is Irish number four seed, Don't Look Now, versus number five seed, The Long Goodbye. Uh-oh. Ooh, the curly hoods go at each other. Don't fight, guys. You're the same. Your hair is going to get all tangled up. <laughs> 
Now, Elliot Gould did not wear a wig here, so that's a he point for the long goodbye. Yeah. I heard that he wore a merkin, a pubic wig, the entire time, even though on his head? never see it. Yeah, he just well, wanted he just wanted to He suffers from cold balls, so he just wanted to Man, it could be it could get pretty cold in LA, everybody. This is I don't know, this feels like a pretty tough one. I think this might be one and two, my favorite movies of the season. This is like uh the NFC finals of the nineties where Dallas would play San Francisco. And it's like, whoever wins this, we lose, we lose. <laughs> They're going to beat the Buffalo bills in the super bowl. They're going to beat the Buffalo bills for the 18th time. Please just let us win one time. Mm, no, uh, maybe you should have named your team after a fucking creepy serial killer. Mike, are you at all moves? You're like kind of the resident detective Thank you. guy. That's like your your domain. When did this um, happen, by the way? I don't understand this. Mike reads fucking dragon books and fucking books about like fairies and shit. I thought he read books about like Scandinavian detectives. Yeah, it's 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 when I turned about thirty three and I started uh, intermixing. I didn't stop reading dragon fairy books, but started reading <laughs> uh, Juicy Adler Olson and Michael Connolly books. Uh, Susan Cox, other detectives, and so yeah, that's when yeah. I became old. I picked. I said, "No World War II for me, thank you." Give me detective like, I novels. Read, I read those Matron and Aubrey books about like sailing during the Napoleonic era. So like, yeah, that's I know about boats. Greg shit is like, uh, there was one Master and Commander movie. Why was there not twenty? That's <laughs> that's Greg shit. Uh, L.A. Noir has always been my thing, and now it's Mike's. You dropped it. Oh, okay. But you're also like Ray- Raymond Carver, right? Like you're old school. I'm right. like uh, the Harry Bosch first season only adapted okay. two of the yeah, books. But then, no, but then his point the, his point stands all the more, right? I should go to Ryan as the long. No, no, guy, it's fine. Is- Mike can have it. And like uh, we d- we already talked about Merkin, Mike. You don't have to keep bringing up your Harry Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> you gave that one away for free, Ryan. <laughs> I know. Save that no, for no a pointed point. show. I feel like next season I should just get a point right off the bat. Yeah, that's Both fair. Both of these you are like, it. is it wrong, Ryan, would you say, to call these experimental movies? Uh, I don't know what we're talking about. Don't look now in the long goodbye. Like, are, are they, I think I feel like they're not like your run-of-the-mill normal movies. These are both kind of like out there, aren't they? I, I feel like that they, you are getting people in the seats based on previews where people are like, or trailers based on like, oh, I, I kind of feel like what we're knowing, we're, we know the sort of movie that we're getting here. But the way that you're playing with the tropes are not like what we get in the 90s coming into this century of like, oh, fuck, this person has watched so many movies and we're playing with all the movies that they've seen right. and hopefully we've seen. It's a little different than that. That's the way that Altman has always been. There's right? no tongue like, in cheek in these ones, I'd say. Right, or like the when you did. when you watch the Altman movies of like Mash or McCabe and Mrs. Miller, like he's doing what he thinks with westerns or war movies or in this case noir movies, and you do what you do with it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is the most obvious one with noir movies as opposed to western or war movies. Um, with Don't Look Now, man, like it still has all of the stuff of. A thriller, I guess, but like, or a psychological drama. But like, if you're looking for, well, I like Silence of the Lambs, 
and yeah, I'm at Blockbuster right now, or Netflix is recommending. Let's update my references a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Netflix is now recommending that, that I should watch Don't Look Now. I guess it would work, but you're in for a different night. Yeah, when you come out the other side of it, it it hasn't really delivered. Like it feels like it's delivering that, and then when you have seen the entire movie, it's obviously a different experience yeah. than that. Right. This, it's so, much more. Oh, did you like? We need to talk about Kevin. Then you'll appreciate. Don't look now. Then a thriller. <laughs> right, and I, I think I, I do think that like if you're this is kind of the thing where I think that for Don't Look Now, it's more like are you going through a thing? <laughs> Whether that's like a parent dying or a divorce or um, you quit school, right? Like you dropped out of school even though you weren't supposed to. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, are you going through a thing that's like really keeping you up at night? Don't look now will haunt you. It doesn't have to be specifically a, a young girl yeah, drowned right. in a red coat. You're going to get fucked up by don't look now. And that's what its ultimate goal is. That's why I think it's so fantastic, but also timeless is that like, whatever it is, whether you're in a marriage that is as close, but also cracked as John and Laura's, you're going to get fucked up by this movie. Whereas, um, I don't know. It, 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 the ending always bugs me and Mike has made me fucked up about it more, you know, (laughs) but I, I still think the first six sevenths of the movie is nearly perfect and i'd say they're different where don't look now will fuck you up emotionally the longer by because it is shaggy and twisty and turny keeps you at a distance you're not like emotionally on the edge of your seat about what's going on with marlo and so they're different they're different cinematic experiences in that way and my question too is that um if the long goodbye is watchmen and in a lot of ways that I think it is, and like I, I can't offer higher praise for a movie than The Long Goodbye is Watchmen. What if it is your first comic book? Mm. I don't think it's a great first comic book. And yeah, you definitely don't want this to be your first noir. But I detective think detective story. I, I right? think you'll get a lot more after you see other ones. But I think this is still. It. it I don't know if it was my first, but it was early on. I probably watched this first in my early twenties. Uh, and I still loved it then, even though I had not had the level of experience I had as the the L.A. noir expert on the show, and nobody else has ever come close. <laughs> I'm the only one who's even played the video game L.A. noir, so maybe I'm starring Ken from Mad Men. It starred actually a few different people from Mad Men. They clearly like <laughs> were like, "Hey, give us all the Mad Men!" I'm like, okay, here they come. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think there's nothing left to do but to vote on one of these two movies. I I feel like very much this lays bare what is so difficult about this. Two amazing movies somehow in the artifice of our doing it, like having to square off against each other. So don't look now versus the long goodbye, Mike. Which one's moving forward for you? Yeah, not only is it, I think, an impeccably crafted movie, it's one of my favorite movies, versus don't look now is great, but when it's goofy, it's not intentionally goofy. There's fucking cracks in this that I think... The longer oh, I have to strongly to disagree with that. <laughs> your vote is your vote, but I uh, I can't look at some of the goofiness of this movie and be like they okay. were not aware that this was goofy. Then intentionality or not, it does not fucking work. Yeah, I think I think seven. I think in the seventies there was a profusion of tones 
within many of the movies. And I definitely think Don't Look Now tried to utilize that one way or another. So it's, but it sounds like to me, like you were saying, Don't Look Now, but The Long Goodbye gets your vote. Yes, The Long Goodbye gets my vote. Ryan. Mike. This is our third episode of the finale. We just we can't do anything in one episode. No, we why have to would do we? it in three. Fans demands be damned. I'm thinking we should split the last episode into uh, three. Just to do a meeting into on. Three. I think parts one and part two of of the third part of the final would be best best to, to get it all in. Uh, longtime listeners, and by that I mean listeners of the first two parts of the 1973 <laughs> finale, uh, know that Greg hemmed and hawed and hemorrhaged and hemorrhaged over uh having to make the decision and he's gonna have to do it now and i think this is gonna be tripled because it's the second round because don't look now is my decision wow well is this underlines how difficult it is because i feel like i liked both of these movies as as much as the the guys who voted for them but then yeah the other one i i definitely liked more for me, I have to say, though, I, the movie that really blew me away was Don't Look Now. And so I, I think I'm going to go with that. I love The Long Goodbye. It's the, the the reason for the season, all that stuff that we've been saying about it. But I just, as an experience, and it has that extra thing that I like so much in movies where it's just like, I could watch any scene from this movie and I think I'd come away with a couple questions and the questions would compel me. I'd be interested in finding out the answer. And the movie could serve as a text to do that or I could just reflect on it, reflect on it on my own. So Don't Look Now is moving on. Wild. When we come back, we're going to give out oh, the award for biggest shithead and then get into some more of our round two battles. Oops. This, I think, like, has slowly become my favorite award, and mm-hmm. I feel like I think about it all season. This is not biggest villain because we're not talking just about who did the worst. So many people email and they're like, biggest shithead, is that biggest villain? And guys, for the 14th season in a row... No. 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 Ryan, Do you understand the example? words that are coming out of our mouths? <laughs> uh, classic uh, example is, of course, uh, throughout the course of the season, I won most of the episodes. Mike yeah. lost. He's the biggest shithead. Mike is the classic and example. From Ryan is the biggest villain. And Ryan is the villain. Yeah, I think that, honestly that does lay it quite bad. Or if you want a cinematic example, it's Die Hard. Hans Gruber is the villain. Alice is the shithead. Exactly. Or you leave the movie hating Ellis way more than Hans Gruber, who you kind of respect for his power and gravitas. Or Mike not clearing that bubble from his throat the whole time he was just talking. <laughs> That's the biggest shithead. Well, I thought about Hans Gruber, which made me uh, yeah, get a bubble in your throat. Yeah, maybe that- get a. I, I'm choked up, and also I want to slip into my impression uh, of Alfred. Harry Potter. Killmonger is the villain, but Claw is the biggest shithead. I was going to say Black Panther was. No, you can't share that. that. Share that technology, bro. With the rest of the world, maybe make your lives a little bit better instead of just no. Honestly, hide. That's that makes a lot of sense to me. Biggest shithead, Ryan. Who are our nominees? Greg, your first nominee from the film The Exorcist is Burke Dennings. Okay, I don't know. Did this guy get a bad rap at all? This is the director. Just listen this to that name. That's a shithead name. <laughs> <laughs> he was born with a shithead name. He died with a shithead body. He was thrown out of a window for potentially he molesting a little girl. Probably tried to molest Pazuzu. Yeah. That's what, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's just so hard to imagine why he was in the room to jump out the window. And I don't want a victim blame, but in this case, I, I am blaming the victim of the guy that jumped out the window. I don't uh, know. 
we catch him at the end of uh, screaming at one of the the employees of the house, screaming at him for like being Polish, I think, mm-hmm. and being yeah. and being a Nazi. Yeah, yes. for, and like just for being, yeah, like not even German, yeah, but like Polish or something. He sucks. Quite a shit. His name is Burke. Also, he's he's one of those Brits that's always drunk, and he's always like, "How tell you what? You're a fucking yeah. piece of shit." Uh, Mike, the next nominee is from the last detail. His name is Hippie at Party. Yeah, this guy. Look, even though we might agree more with his politics, sure, this that makes, makes it worse. Yeah, that makes worse. us angrier. Yeah. Is I don't want this guy on our team. Who people are just trying to have a good time. He's just like, no, no, no. Tell me what you think about Nixon. He's like, nah, that's not what we're here to do. He's like, but you are. You always say you love him. <laughs> like, man, fuck off. Get out of here. <laughs> the worst thing that could possibly happen is for this guy to hear about Bernie Sanders. If that happened, uh, I would run out of the building see, as fast as possible. This is not a good example. Villain in this scenario is Nixon. Uh-huh. The hippie at the party is biggest shithead. <laughs> Greg, from the long goodbye, villain, lots of them. Shithead. Yeah. Terry Lennox. Oh my God! This the, the entire this fucking movie guy is this is fucking a, guy. The one thing you know in this whole entire movie is that Terry Lennox is dead. <laughs> Guess what? I know one thing to be true. <laughs> he is not dead, and he betrays his own friend multiple times. Uh, he just like very casually kills his wife, and then later is like, she was annoying me. She's giving me a hard time. But you're my buddy, right? You get it? This guy is the closest to being a villain and a shithead, but he definitely falls on the shithead spectrum. Mike, in the film Enter the Dragon, do you remember a gentleman named Parsons? Uh, I don't... I had to look up his name, but he's the Kiwi. They're all getting... They're all on this ship to go to Fight Island to fight. <laughs> But for some reason, this motherfucker's like, oh, you're carrying a thing of oranges so we don't get scurvy? I'm going to kick you in the butt. Eat shit. He's the one fighter we don't get a backstory because it would be just him kicking any sort of helper in the butt to spill whatever's in their tray. This guy's a shithead. How dare you, Parsons? What? Our heroes are on the way to Fight Island. We don't. Maybe we don't like our heroes enough. Let's invent a guy. Fucking Who's Parsons. <laughs> Has the name of a fucking butler. <laughs> Has the name God. of the worst guy to win numerous best comedic Emmys in a role. <laughs> you know, I don't like bullying. Yeah. I said you're it. brave. Not, not a fan of bullying. It's, it's weird because your actions and your words do not line up. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, our final nominee tonight is from Serpico. He's played by the guy from Top Gun and Back to the Future. It's Steiger. Okay. Steiger, I want to like, I'm going to treat this guy like a human. I'm looking Steiger right in the eyes here, and I just want to say, who hurt you, man? Like, it, obviously somebody messed with you, right? When you were young and it had like a, it had a really like bad effect on you that you just charge into a bathroom and they're like, you suck at each other's dicks in here? Like, bro, whatever is going on, I want you to know you have value and it was not your fault, but don't keep perpetuating this cycle. You weren't hurt. By a gay person. You might have been hurt by somebody who happened to be gay, but you can't then the rest of your life be like constantly looking for homosexuals in every bathroom and then freaking out. And also, if somebody wants to buzz the tower and they've had a tough day flying in their plane, you got to let them buzz the tower. Oh, God. What a great name. 
for fucking two dudes sucking each other off. <laughs> Somebody buzzing the tower in here? Yeah, Somebody but you, bu- you guys buzzing the tower? Uh, since we saw this movie, I have not entered a bathroom without shouting. <laughs> you suck, but I do it with a happy smile. My face hey! <laughs> Who's doing he that in here? Like, like, I think the actor does a really good job with this because he says it with an air of desperation. He, there's yeah. clearly like pain behind that. Um, it's just awful because it's he's being so terrible and he's like you know yeah. starting these rumors and he's being weird about it. But well, like, he's obviously really homosexual. Like you know I, the director. I don't, I don't think he's home. He's a homosexual, but I think he's like preoccupied with them. He he delivered it in that way with the pain. The director's like, whoa, whoa, that is way too intense for the role <laughs> we gave Tiger. you. What's going on, man? Look. You're going to one day be in Back to the Future and Top Gun. You need to hold a little bit back for those two movies. Yeah. I also always think, like, you only have so many crime-busting dollars to spend in a day, and you're spending so many dollars trying to bust cops. Not corru- not co- the corrupt cops, but the cops yeah. who are maybe making each other's day a little easier to get through. Right. Why are you spending dollars this way? Like, it's so crazy to Meanwhile, me. Meanwhile, it's like they're not sucking each other's dick. They're peeping on a lady across the <laughs> street. Yeah, they're something okay. much worse. That's the straightest fucking thing you can do. <laughs> they're buzzing her tower. <laughs> Christ. All right. Your nominees for biggest shithead of 1973, besides Reagan, who's coming, gentlemen. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. <laughs> Burke Dennings from The Exorcist, Hippie at Party from The Last Detail, Terry Lennox from The Long Goodbye, Parsons from Enter the Dragon, and Steiger from Serpico. And I think that... Uh, I'm going to open the envelope here, and I think that you can feel exactly what we're feeling on the inside when I announce the winner as Hippie at Party from The Last Detail. <laughs> Hell yeah. How dare you, sir? How we hate dare what you we are. question the motives of our boys in uniform? So moving on to round two, battle three. We have coffee versus the harder they come. Number 34 seed coffee versus number 42 seed, the harder they come. Seems harsh they have to go against each other now, but have to decide. They're both these kind of like sleepy little movies with a lot of rough edges and a lot of heart. Mike, do you feel like when you see these two movies, you have a clear idea which way you want to go, or does it take some consideration? It takes some consideration, but by the time you asked me that question, my consideration was done. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's a very little consideration. Yeah. It, you could say not, no consideration instead of that instant. whole sentence. No, it's not instant. I wanted to show the whole process to the listeners. It wasn't in- instant, but it was a few seconds. Uh, look, one of these movies taught us anything can go in a shotgun. And one of us, one of these movies taught us uh, reggae, it's coming to America. I We love Pam Greer. Objection. We love her coffee. Objection. Reggae could go into a shotgun, and you could blast that person with reggae. Hell yeah. Oh, man. One love. Two barrels, one love. <laughs> That's the, the Greg Heinlein of both story. of these movies. <laughs> but I, I think for what it's doing like formally uh, and what it did historically, I think it has to be the harder they come. Ryan, could you tell in all that windup what way he was going to fall? <laughs> Absolutely No, I like, to, I like to keep it close to the vest. <laughs> Because then I didn't mean that as any sort of criticism, but I just feel like, to me, there's not a lot of daylight between these movies in terms of my enjoyment or how important I think they are. And so I could have seen him kind of coming down on either side there. Oh, for sure. And I think that, like, uh, I could not tell at all, Mike. And I think that's because the movies are so themselves, right, of mm-hmm. their own piece. This, These are two of the movies that we were talking about earlier. 
and by that I or by earlier I mean Couple two weeks, weeks ago. ago when we were saying like maybe not the like classiest filmmaking, but uh, definitely better than the sum of their parts. And I think when you we're the, like we try to be a director focused show, but when we're talking about these two movies, we're basically talking about Jimmy Cliff versus Pam Greer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I well, think that mm. we're what Mike. Well, I mean, why I think I voted is if it's Pam Greer versus Jimmy Cliff, I think it's a much harder fight for me. I was trying to think more DVD, and then I'd lean towards harder. DVD? Director versus director. Oh. Oh, DVD is DVD that's confusing, said, that's that means, another different. It's a thing for movies. Digi- it, that digital <laughs> video games. I was trying to think of <laughs> what, what extra features were better. <laughs> uh, the the. Director's commentary on both of these DVDs would be great. Like, well, what I was doing when I was directing both of these movies. Um, <laughs> Edgar, right? <laughs> uh, and I think that bo- uh, these are two actors that uh, overpower their directors. Like, uh, these two actors are shining past whatever their directors are doing when their directors are clearly making poorer decisions. Yeah. Um, these actors are pulling their directors up by their bootstraps and saying, hey, no, 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 follow me, buddy. I will take you with me. These are um, novice actors who are uh, eschewing um, like proper training and saying, my star power. My personality is enough. Yeah, my, my uh, personality, my uh, branding, whatever you want to call it, is one. going to carry us through these movies. And like, I'm... Uh, whatever aside, I'm kind of stoked that these two movies are together because, uh, like they really are comparable. Also, like they are two musicals in a way in Mm -hmm. one by, because it's about a musician. It's, it's a musician in a music movie. And then two in the black exploitation style of the soundtrack is we're soundtrack forward in coffee, right? In the tradition of shafts and Superfly, we're going to put the soundtrack forward Coffee, I talked about how I'm not the biggest fan. I think that you guys liked it a little bit more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the the music is always going to be up front. I think that ultimately when it comes down to me, I have to go with Pam Greer more and I have to go with the uh the plot and the idea there's more ideas going on in coffee. I think that Although Jimmy Cliff is amazing, and I think that uh, there are so many, so so much, like so many musical moments in the harder they come, that it just drags too often. There's just not enough there. There, whereas in Coffee, I think that they both do a great job of like saying we have a lot to say about like what's going on in our two particular societies. Coffee just is doing more more often. See, that's what to me it's, and this is of a lover of Coffee. I feel like what it's trying to say about society is a little cheese dickier than what the harder they the harder they come. I feel like the package is less eye rolly than coffee can be. Uh, that like the, delivering the way it portrays how yeah the forces that make the it difficult to live in Jamaica aren't as two dimensional as like bad guys kind of stroking their mustache being like and yeah. now we're gonna make things worse and and that's I like the cartoony bad guys uh, but they are cartoony in coffee. Uh, uh, King George aside, and I think the harder they come, I think just tells a uh, a more natural story overall. Watching this guy both be beaten down and then become the villain of the story. I mean, the bad guy of the harder they. I totally get what you're saying. I totally like. I'm I'm talking a lot about entertainment value, 
here. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, uh, the studio, the record owner, the studio exec of The Harder They Come is... Might yeah. as well be played by a cat who is fat in a suit <laughs> with a cigar. Yeah, where's like, his diamond skull cane? Right. No, for sure. It, it, yeah, I just think in in general, I would say the harder they come is more nuanced than coffee. I man, have we agreed once this whole season about? <laughs> I don't think so. Anything? It's wild for you to be like, and these guys liked coffee more than me. I'm voting for coffee. It's fucking crazy. And so it comes to me, and it comes to my decision, and. It, this is a very difficult one for me, and I'm moved by both of your arguments. And Mike, I see where you're going, and I, I, I think I really respect the idea that there is a more nuanced telling of the problems of the world in the harder they come. So I think what I'm going to let decide it for me is I think coffee is a bigger movie. I think coffee is maybe more important to cinema, not by a lot, um, and is more important to the types of movies that we watch as well. Like, I mean, we are, for better or worse, we're definitely Quentin Tarantino boys, and <laughs> this is, like, the type of... Little like, cutie boys! Yeah, little cutie... <laughs> little cutie heads. But this is the hardest vote I've had to make, but I think I am going to go with coffee. Whew. Tough stuff for Mr. Does Not Ever Want to Make a Decision. This feels... Uh, all season, I felt weirdly out of step, and I've not known why. I loved Coffee, one of my favorite movies we've watched this season, and somehow I still come off losing, and this is fucking crazy. <laughs> I cannot wait for this season to be done. <laughs> it's been a tough season. It's been a tough season. I think we've all had to, to learn a lot. When we come back, we have yet another matchup, and then we're going to get to give away our Musical Moment Award. That sounds interesting. <laughs> our next matchup is Mean Streets, our number three seed, versus our number 11 seed, Paper Moon. Now, this late into the the finale episodes, it would be rude for me to dispense with one of these movies by saying slam dunk. But I have this feeling that Paper Moon didn't blow anybody away. We all thought it was a nice little movie versus Mean Streets, which I felt like kind of is blown us away kind of swept us off our feet do you agree with that ryan i no. i will say that paper moon blew me away for sure but i think that in our episode we focus so much on the awful people around tatum o'neill so it was starting to worry about that (laughs) no no no. it's like it's important to talk about and i think that like that legacy will never leave that movie and that sucks but it doesn't suck because of us it sucks because of them do that Right. Yeah. And so, like, hey, you can't forget about it. Like, there's no turning that part of your brain off. And like, uh, you know, like we talked about it a lot, and it's important if they if the next time Paper Moon, uh, all Paper Moon comes out, and they don't want us to talk about that instead of the movie, don't do that. Is yeah. my advice. Um, but no, Paper Moon blew me away for sure. Same. Um, I just think that Mean Streets is an all time fucking crazy ass movie it's and it, Mean Streets is almost too perfect to this me. is a weird fight uh it's the two shows i missed and being oh, yeah. <laughs> and no being, wonder you're so out of step uh, being, shout out to nate and taylor for yeah, uh who said us can out. we be on and i i killed them both uh <laughs> but being on an episode of movie of the year does change 
how you approach the movie. Like you, even though I, but I, I'm like you got to think about it. But watching it alone, knowing I can't talk about it until who knows how long, it does change the experience. I, I too was blown away by Paper Moon. Uh, listening to the episode, I knew nothing about the movie because you guys didn't talk about the movie at all. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it is. Phenomenal. Wait, hold on, hold on, psychopath. Did you listen to the podcast before you watched the movie? I did for that one, not for Mean Streets though. That's insane. Did you listen to the Mean Streets episode yet? No. I meant to. Didn't get to it. All uh, psychopath behavior. It's all psychopath behavior. But I think Paper Moon is here is a genre, here is how you do a perfect movie in that genre. And Mean Streets is here is a very messy movie, but I'm carving out the modern version of a gangster movie and nobody can fucking touch what I've done so far and i do think that is more impressive the mess is more impressive than the perfection for me and i love comparing we have to compare mean streets to paper moon yes i mean legally Literally more than ever (laughs) (laughs) now more than ever literally that's our job right now but also i love comparing paper moon to mean streets to uh the sting which is uh 1973 doing 1920 question mark Mm-hmm. And then also The Long Goodbye, which is 1973 doing 1940s in 1973. And then American Graffiti doing 1973 doing 1962. Like, how much are you trying to do now and then? How much of now and then are you trying to do at the same time? Right? So Paper Moon is trying to recreate a movie yes. that came out then. As opposed to The Long Goodbye, which is trying to do a movie... The most yeah. now movie that's ever existed with then elements. Yeah, a character that like wakes up from the 40s in the 70s. And exactly, mean right. Streets and Mean Streets is saying fuck it, then. Right. Even though it's a movie that takes place like eight years before the movie came out. But it's still very 1973. But it's the most 1973 movie that will ever exist. Like it, it's so 1973 that it, it basically gives birth to every movie that comes out after that. Because Scorsese is so influential to everything that comes out after that, you know. But like, how how now are you by showing the past? And that's how Scorsese and Altman and Bogdanovich are in conversation with each other at this time. Wow, it almost feels like if you look at the movies that we did for this season that the directors didn't have much to say about seventy three. Like I thought, I felt like the seventy five movies. We're all about 75. But these 73 movies, it feels like they're all, you know, they. W- I want to talk about 10 years ago, 8 years ago, and, 15 years ago. Yeah, I forgot somebody when I had said that. How <laughs> how Scorsese and Bogdanovich and Altman are in conversation with each other at the same time with George Lucas. That's still yeah. crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, what is it going to be? Mean Streets or Paper Moon, Ryan? I I mean I've always been fascinated by this movie. Like I I, I think it's better than Goodfellas. It's Mean Ooh. Streets. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. Unfortunately we don't do across years, so there'll be no way to tell. Mike, what do you say? Uh I too declare for Mean Streets. Hey, we agreed on something. Hey my vote unnecessary but it also would have gone to mean streets which means sure mike you and i are also yay ryan 
I'm going. I, I'm so glad we just talked about Mean Streets because now we're going into musical moment, and I wonder if any of the Mean Streets musical moments will be our nominees. As it, it has been declared, uh, the movie that invented pop music in feature films. Yes. Pop, pop, pop music. Let's see if the same way the harder they come invented reggae for all time. And Paper Moon invented. That thing where you sing into a megaphone, into a recorder, and you go, <laughs> Now I sound really old-timey. <laughs> now I'm going to sing a song to my lady. <laughs> uh, Greg, your first nominee is Ivan performs The Harder They Come in the movie The Harder They Come. Uh, yeah, it's so interesting because this movie, he's like, I'm a star, I'm a star. He keeps saying it, and anybody who says that, you're like, shut up. Like, you're clearly... You're not. You're nobody. Also, then, he says it the amount where no movie can live up to the, mm-hmm. how much yes. he says it. And then he performs, and within like two seconds of seeing the way he stands on stage, the way he holds his face while he sings, you're like, oh, wow, no, okay, yeah, you are 100% an incandescent star. Like, there's no doubt about that at all. You are the real deal, and in any just world, you would skyrocket to the top of a meritocracy because there's not a better performer around than you. And it hits harder because the movie very deftly makes us wait. I think a lesser yes. movie would give ah, us that in the first 10 or 15 minutes. And it just keeps being like, nah, we're going to build up their expectations to thinking he sucks. I got to agree with that, Mike. Yes. Mike. Well, you know, like <laughs> they say that's because uh, reggae, who they nicknamed Bruce on the set, was broken. So they had to hold that off until... <laughs> Uh, Mike, the next nominee, um, I feel like this is where we're creating Martin Scorsese right here. Uh, they hooked up a camera to Harvey Keitel. Yeah. And they made him walk around. And so we're getting his, like the camera's facing him and he's walking around and we see this in countless Martin Scorsese movies from here on out where he's getting drunk and he's walking around and we're hearing the song Rubber Biscuit while he gets drunk as fuck at a party. What I love about this scene is one... It's fun, and this movie doesn't have a lot of fun moments. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, like, totally shifts because you need that palate cleanser for a second. But also, I didn't know that Rubber Biscuit was a song that the Blues Brothers... that I didn't know it was older than them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we should talk about the Blues Brothers right now. No, I know. It's a touchy subject uh, for us specifically. But I, I set up and went, what? <laughs> Uh, and they I, didn't, I mean, they didn't write any song. No. Them, right? No. Yeah. Which I've said, but for some reason, this one, I was like, well, that dumb one was probably them. <laughs> and I know Ryan loves this song. But yeah, it was uh, a truly delightful, important moment in this movie. Unlike the Decemberists who wrote all their songs, and we wish that anyone else had written their songs. It's so you weird how little you know about anything. Uh, I, lo- I love the Decemberists. Yeah, they use more than three chords, which bothers Ryan. Greg. <laughs> We're not supposed to open up this whole can of worms. Greg, the next nominee is from the film Mean Streets, which put pop music into their movie. Uh, It's when Johnny Boy enters the bar to Jumpin' Jack Flash, and that Harvey Keitel leaning on the bar, camera comes in. Yeah, and and we get the we get like the 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 entering the busy bar shot. A lot of energy. A lot of excitement. Is this where he's not wearing pants? Uh, Robert De Niro is not wearing pants, yeah. Yeah, uh, which he just thinks is the funniest thing. Dude. Hey, you know, back back uh, in your early 20s, it is hilarious to show up without pants places. <laughs> but, like, you can feel we all had that friend. 
I didn't, but you two did. Uh, <laughs> we all had that friend where it'd be like, hold on, I'm not being funny enough when I come into this bar. What if I fucking took off my pants? What if I took off my pants? And then you go into the bar. And then, like, the other thing, too, is that, like, the Rolling Stones is, is fucking nuts back then to, like, instead of, like, John Williams blaring a yeah. score, shut the fuck up, John Williams. Uh, it's the Rolling Stones. And then the other thing, too, is just, like, blaring red, not a red tone. It's the light is blaring red. Yeah. Is it, didn't we say when we did this movie that, um, like, half the budget is securing the rights to the songs that are in Yeah. <laughs> Mike next nominee is Oodalali from Robin Hood hell yeah it is look the one thing I will fully stand behind that is great about this movie is the rooster who is amazing uh, and Oodalali if you're around my house you're going to hear variations of this song all of the time <laughs> Because Oodalali, Oodalali, golly, what a day. Uh, wife, I poodalali. <laughs> golly, what a day. Uh, and it certainly dominated that episode. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> the melody is catchy. It's an earworm. It's, it's simple but beautiful. It, it's great. Greg, the final nominee is Coffee. Looks at the camera and she's like, who the fuck is this King George? Cut yeah. to car pulls into a parking lot. With a song called King George blaring. I feel like this movie has a weird relationship with King George at times, you know, almost making him feel like the star of mm-hmm. the movie. And this song is totally a way in which it's done. There are two different songs about coffee. They both pale in comparison to this. And it helps introduce this, like, immense respect that the movie has for the character that ends up rubbing off on the audience whether you want it to or not. He shows up in this bomb limo with his song playing, he gets out. He's got all the trappings of... He's, like, wearing a little capelet <laughs> over one shoulder. Uh, he just looks like the man. And it's, like, for a second, this movie's not called Coffee. It's called King George. And I just think that's a really smart move, and they achieve that through a lot of things, including this cool musical moment. Do you know what it's almost like? It's almost like um, you're a screenwriter, and you have to write... Cyclops from X-Men or Jack from Lost and like there's so much pressure because they're the leader that you just don't you literally <laughs> don't write them like <laughs> you're the you're the soundtrack guy you're the score writer you're the su- sound the music supervisor and like Shaft came out and Superfly came out and you're like there's too much pressure this this movie's called Coffee I can't do it oh yeah. but there's this side character King George uh, I can do that <laughs> I can like the, the 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 main character like there's too much pressure so I'm just like coffee coffee baby but like King George I'm gonna nail that your nominees for musical moment are Ivan performs the heart of the come from the heart of the come from Mean Streets we have Charlie gets drunk to rubber biscuit and Johnny Boy enters the bar to jump and Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones Oodalali from Robin Hood and King George rolls into his parking spot from coffee and the winner is I feel like almost as much as the sex scene from Don't Look Now, it's Ivan performs The Heart of They Come from The Heart of They Come. Yeah. Yeah, I just... There's so many great musical moments from this year. A lot of bad music, but a lot of good musical moments. But this was just the premiere one. I mean, it... it and it takes a lot of the space of the movie. Like, he's he's performing this song for, you know, six minutes of actual screen time. The other thing that it does, too, for the movie is, like, every time he makes a step down the road uh to hell mm-hmm. you're like no bro like but you were so good at that music you're so good. go, go so back good. towards that 
So let's move on to round three. This is battle one, round three. And we've got two of our creepies going off against each other. Number one, the exorcist. Number four, versus number four, don't look now. Now again, we're talking about exorcists. Really big movie. But I feel like as a group, we liked don't look now just a little bit more. Mike, do you disagree with that? I agree with you when you say the group seems to like don't look now. I would say Mike votes for Exorcist. Yeah. Ryan, I feel like we were both on the Don't Look Now train. Sometimes you seemed like the conductor. Sometimes I was. But does it run out of track here against the Exorcist? Uh, No. Like, as the person who liked the Exorcist the most, I would say, hey, Exorcist train, I'm going to pull your track up off the the ground, Mm -hmm. and your track is done it's gone perfect analogy yeah no um no i i would say that like this is where the exorcist stops being like a great james cameron movie or great movie and now (sighs) don't like now is a better movie Ooh, okay you seem to be tiptoeing around that you seem to be trying to gather the steam to say it i just didn't know like how to keep the analogy going to keep going (laughs) choo choo but uh yeah this is when the exorcist to me starts to become you know, like the James Cameron blockbuster, and uh, sure, there's evil on your film. That's cool, but uh, don't look now is to me like the holy moly. What happened here? I I would and this I know this is gonna come out belittling, and it's not my intention. I would love to know if your opinion of Don't Look Now would be the same like five years ago, if you were not a father of a young child, if it would. Uh, don't both of these play on the the having a child angle? One is the child suffering. The other is the the child has a terrible accident and and dies. But I I feel like that feels like a more opaque experience uh, for anybody, the the dying one, for anybody to experience where the child's suffering. It feels like anybody would be like, well, I I care about people who suffer. Like, I don't know. They they, they don't feel that comparable to me. I feel like Mm. non-parents can relate to The Exorcist more than Don't Look Now. To be honest with you, Mike, uh... The daughter dying is not that big of a part of the movie to me. Mm. <clears throat> I To me, I think it's the cracking of the psyche, the cracking of relationships that is the biggest deal. Like the I, I, like I said before in last week's episode, the universality of the uh, my brain is breaking because I don't get what's going on or I get what's going on too much but not enough. As Greg <laughs> is always talking about right. this movie when he says... Um, the like the scene a little bit too much is always worse than seeing not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the that's what the movie does incredible. Like I maybe just don't see it all then. Um, that's what I think the movie does. Like how this movie uh, breaks this marriage apart immediately and then brings them so close together in the sex scene just to have them actually never be close. Is what does it. I I think you you articulating what works for you, I agree with, and also highlights why I'm more down on this movie. Because for every amazing Julie Christie, Donald Sutherland scene there is, there's, ooh, this lady's blind and spooky, and it feels like the haunted mansion from Disneyland for a second. And those moments (laughs) undercut, I think, the powerful, awesome acting moments and the friction of... Being so close to somebody and not being able to connect, uh, it just undercuts it. 
Well, I think it's time to just make the tough decision. Mike, I think I know what way you're going to go, but the listeners are not as clever as I am. <laughs> what yeah. moves forward for you? They didn't listen when earlier I said, my vote is for the exorcist. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they probably weren't paying attention because they, they don't know. They're doing the dishes or something. Ryan, I think I know what way you are going. But again, our listeners are confused, furrowing their brows in a vain attempt to understand. Uh, yeah. I feel like The Long Goodbye would have been a really agreeable movie for all three of us, but unfortunately, it's gone, and I'm going to vote for... It's fucking crazy. That, I would have bet $100 every week this whole season that that would be the movie of the year, 1973, and it's gone. Before the season, I definitely would have said it, yeah. I said before the season that it would be Don't Look Now, and my vote you is did. Don't Look Now. Yep, and Don't Look Now moves on, because it is also my vote. Yeah, the before the season started, I would have bet... Seriously, like a thousand dollars that it that, that long goodbye was going to win, and then I saw Don't Look Now, and I was like, uh oh, we might have a little something here, a little something something. So Don't Look Now moves on. When we come back, we're going to give out our award for best axman, and then we are going to have our second, our penultimate battle. After this, actors. Without them, it would just be a bunch of actresses. Well, actually, that sounds pretty good. Well, actors. We got them. Ryan, who are some of the best? Look. Listen. I... This is the one thing I will say about 73. Um, Every year, at the end of the year, every year is great. But not every year produces these stars. Like, we we are definitely losing stars. And at a certain point, every... Oscar is going to be like best actor Timothy Chalamet five times. Uh, oh, don't guys, sleep on this Dylan O'Brien. Okay, you're just making that name up. Every year is th- th- this was a year of stars. Um, I cannot believe this actor lineup. Here we go, Greg. Yes. Don't look now, but it's Donald Sutherland with his very fake curly hair up top and his very real curly hair down on the bottom. I grew up with a different version of Donald Sutherland, not this uh, sensualist that the that 73 gave to us. But he has so much that he has to do in this movie. And the number one thing is you see him be so confused. And then you also see him like calm himself down about how confused he is. Deep so, breaths. Like, he's so busy keeping himself moving forward that he never pays attention to what he's moving forward to. And that's the whole movie, really. Um, and he does that in his performance very effectively. And that scene where he finds his daughter, like I, I think actors want to do big emotional scenes, but I don't honestly think that a lot of people want to confront that kind of terribleness as an artist and really get in touch with it. And he wails and moans in a way that I think is touch must touch on some real grief inside him. And it, it, it it feels like watching him conjure for, that. For it to be so big uh, without going over the top and like cheesy is incredibly impressive. Yeah. When he said, why my daughter, why not Kiefer? Yeah. Yes. Which I think we all kind of are thinking, yeah. right? It's hard right. not in that moment. Well, yeah. he knew that one day he would represent America's love of torture, and that was hard to deal with. Also, I think we should point out that uh, he did his own stunt when he was hanging above the church floor and apparently yeah. was in grave danger <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> like, there's certain things you're supposed to ignore when voting. But, like, hard. 
when the judge says strike that from your your Never. mind, sometimes you can't. You just don't. Yeah. You're like, okay. Sure. <laughs> Curly haired brethren, Mike. It's Elliot Gould, that sexy Grover love so, monster. To be such a sex symbol, despite what we think of as sex symbols, uh, to be so suave and not like his peaks and valleys are much narrower than Sutherland's. No peaks, no, no peaks, valleys. No valleys, but what's the Smallville? Thing? Uh, no flights, no tights, no coconuts. That's <laughs> and that's what he does. <laughs> Is that the worst sleepover? Yeah. No coconuts. No <laughs> he can light a match on anything. He can light a match on anything. He he's fine with everything. Uh, it's okay. It's okay by him. It, but it's to somehow still be so mellow and so magnetic is incredibly impressive. Uh, he's got that Columbo energy that now I think is being kept alive by Natasha uh-huh. Leone in Poker Face, where he's just like throughout the whole conversation, he just seems to Confused. be being yeah. dumb and yeah, useless. And then at the end, he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way," and then asks like a question that cuts right to the heart of the matter that also cripples the person emotionally. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like uh, being quiet. People think you're stupid, but it means that you're the smartest. Uh-huh. I saw this commercial for I talk so much. Old Navy. Yeah, I think the, Natasha Leone and Natasha Leone. She's the two of them. Now? Who's the other it's one? It's both her. She plays two characters. Another Natasha oh. Leone. Okay, she's Natasha like excited Leone. to see herself. I get it. Uh, where she's like, "Hey, I have a sled full of uh, Old Navy because uh, I'm dragging it. Also, I stole it, <laughs> and is it." Is it because her voice, because of her voice, that just means that she steals yeah. shit? That's what the commercial's She's about? A dirty 1940s New York voice. Of course she steals shit. She sounds like the Grinch, so therefore she must be like the Grinch. She's the missing uh, Marge sister. <laughs> Greg, before I tell you this next nominee, I want to point out that Robert De Niro from Mean Streets was neither nominated for Best Supporting Actor nor Best Actor. Nor I, Biggest Shithead. Johnny Boy surprising. was not nominated for Biggest Shithead. Yeah. I do think that there was a cabal created by you two to not talk about Johnny Boy at any point tonight. I, he, so I think much, he right? should yeah. be Biggest Shithead. Uh, yeah, I think he I, I think he could have been Biggest Shithead, and we said that a lot on the show. It didn't work out for him, unfortunately. But yeah, it's just like, I'm, I am glad not to talk about this guy. My shocked. monkey brain chicken head. Mm-hmm. Mostly thinks that you two think of yourselves as Charlie and me as the Johnny Boy, and you don't want to talk about no. me, but you do want to slap me in the face a lot, like Charlie does to Johnny Boy, basically from start to finish of this movie. Greg, Greg is Charlie. <laughs> you're Johnny Boy. I'm that guy, be- the mook behind the bar who everybody disrespects. With the big yeah. belly that who, gets in the weird fight. Yeah. Who, who buys it? No, the big boy that owns the bar, or I was going to say that Mike is the guy who just buys a tiger and lays in the cage. With it. <laughs> the guy yeah. that says mook. The guy that says Mook so much that as the viewer, you have to stop and look up Mook to make sure it's not well, am I allowed like, to say this? somehow racist. Because I'm going to call my neighbor Greg. Tomorrow. Greg is Charlie because, and this is who you're supposed to talk about, Greg. Uh, Greg is Charlie because he is a uh, Charlie on the streets, but then in the sheets, he is in a church burning himself. <laughs> <laughs> this is what hell would feel like. Ooh, too hot. Is this the Harvey Keitel that we know? Is this the actor? As, as a young man, uh, I feel like I only knew Harvey Keitel as like the wolf. Like as a yeah. guy who comes in and owns a scene and watching this, I'm like, oh, I get why so many directors in the 90s were like, can we get Keitel? I'd never got it yeah. before now. 
He's it's a complicated character to play, and he explores all the all the corners of it. All right, Mikey, let's do this with grace and a plum. It's the only way I do anything. Marlon Brando from Last Tango in Paris. Yeah, I would. I would. Now I'm starting to think if I'm a bad person because I can watch Paper Moon and ignore what Ryan Ryan O'Brien did, and I can watch. <laughs> Uh, last Tango. I think I found it much harder. But you can watch Marlon O'Brien <laughs> in Last Tango. It, it takes a little more work, but yeah, this guy is acting his gross balls off uh, and does such a good job. There's only one scene that rubbed me the wrong way, and I remember us talking about it. The, his, the but even in that scene, I think some of his best acting and some of his worked at worst acting when he's talking to his wife's corpse. Uh, some of his best acting because he's emoting and he's in it. Some of his worst acting because you can see him looking for his next note card to remind him of his line. <laughs> um, where's my sides? Where's my sides? But, and when he says where's my sides, he means where's his yes. script and then also where's his KFC macaroni because <laughs> he's fat. <laughs> Green beans, casserole. Uh, it, this role reminded me a little lot of uh, we talked about all the cameos in. What young professional woman? What was the Emerald Fennel movie? Uh, Promising young oh, woman. Shit. Uh, and a lot of the guys who embraced "I'm going to be a piece of shit" did best, and the ones who were like, "I'm worried that Christopher's plots was straddling was the line, worried yeah. how people might think he's a piece of shit." Fuck that! You're not going to be a good actor then. And this performance reminded me of that, or maybe theirs retroactively reminded me. Because he leans into he it. He just owns no part of Marlon Brando. The guy feels self conscious about what Paul how Paul will come off. He knows exactly how Paul is supposed to come off. And his comfort in that and owning that shitheadedness is magical. I'm, I'm a little surprised by this nomination because you guys are the, uh, you guys keep Woody Allen out of every season of Moody. Yeah, that's true. At this point, that's got so much momentum though, that it feels very hard to go back on and be like, well, okay, sleeper, let's let sleeper in, but the rest of it was <laughs> Greg, the final nominee, um, and I'm going to go back to a quote from Mike from this episode or a previous episode, uh, who said that uh, the movie and the character that Jack Nicholson played in The Last Detail is better than Cuckoo's Nest and Randall McMurtry from The Last Detail. Do you agree with that? It's hard because I think I like the character in this one more, but I don't think that that necessarily makes him a better character. Um I think no, I think I, I think I like the character from Cuckoo's Nest. Or like I I think I think that's a better performance. Performance. Yeah. Um but that's I don't mean that as a way to take anything away from this. I think it's a masterful f- performance and it's interesting and it feels like you know, part of what we've been talking about tonight is like performances that haven't ossified mm-hmm. yet, like actors that have strong personalities in other roles but they haven't like adopted them yet in 73. And I feel like we can see that a more plastic version of him in this. And it's just, it's interesting and compelling. And I think it's way more on the charm side. Um, and I, I think that that's what makes it a more likable role. We talked about uh, two weeks ago, uh, the scene where William Finley from Sisters falls over. Yeah. And I, I just gave that the funniest scene of the year. But them getting drunk in that hotel... And how that is like the true because movies always get uh, alcohol and drugs wrong. Right. Yeah, but that is that is drinking. That's because no one in Hollywood 
has any experience with those things. Yeah, they're all yeah, squares. They've never done that before. <laughs> Your nominees for Best Actor are Donald Sutherland from Don't Look Now, Elliot Gould from The Long Goodbye, Harvey Keitel from Mean Streets, Marlon Brando from Last Tango in Paris, and Jack Nicholson from The Last Detail. And your winner is... Marlon Brando from Last Tango in That's Paris. That's surprising. Wow. I mean, you don't have to like anything about the movie. Like, It's hard to deny that he is, this is a masterful performance. Yes, I agree. And I think, Mike, what, what, to add to what you were saying, I don't think he is comfortable mm. in this role. And I think that he's doing all this in spite of that. Like, he's able to make us feel like on some level he must be super comfortable pretending like her fingers are deep in his ass and he's talking about making her eat pig vomit. And actually, inside, that is like tearing him apart to do, but he's just committed to it. Like, I think that he puts himself through a lot to do this role. The other thing, too, that I don't know if we talked about on the episode, on the last Tango episode, is that... uh, we find out at the end that he's a fucking yeah. loser. Not a yeah, loser. Dude, he's just, a huge loser. <laughs> he's just a basic guy. Like, he tries to come off as, like, this, like, swarthy sexual guy. But he's, like, as basic as basic can get. Like, he's an accountant in Modesto, essentially, right? Like, he, he sucks. Yeah. But we, as humans, have seen him in On the Waterfront and uh, Streetcar Named Desire. We, we know him. To be the sexy at one point the sexiest guy that has ever lived, and, and inside now that room he is. We we've watched him be the sexiest guy that has ever lived, and so he is competing with his own past as an right. actor. It's very well, Newman's own in the verdict. The dealing with everything else that came before. So you can't call him Paul Newman. You just call him by his <laughs> Paul, thank you. dressing Paul, name. Thank you. <laughs> he was just bigger in my life for so many years as the salad dressing. As the dressing sure. guy. I, yeah, anytime you're in the grocery store. I will say that he made better popcorn than salad dressing. <gasps> you're one of those. Okay, let's not get <laughs> let's not get waylaid here. No, 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 no. This should be our, its own segment. Our deepest remaining seed, number 34, coffee, is going up against number three, mean streets. Here it is. I mean, this is a this is this is like really getting down to it. Is coffee, Ryan? Do you feel like this is the end of the road for coffee? It's it's run out of gas here. This is I mean, again, this is where we say we try. I don't think we always succeed. In fact, I think we often fail. No. But we try to be a show about filmmakers. And coffee doesn't have one. And we love Pam yeah. Greer. Steals the show. We're great guys. Uh, owns the camera. Like she's an amazing star. Going to be an actress thirty years, forty years later in Jackie Brown, right? She will pick up the craft eventually. But Mean Streets has a filmmaker who is not perfect yet, but is doing things that like will change cinema forever. Coffee doesn't have a shot. Is it? at all surprising to think Mean Street is 50 years ago. Probably, maybe, the best movie of 1973. This same dude made what might be the best movie of 2023's movie of the year. I don't care who knows it here who hears it. I think he might be one of the best filmmakers to ever live. And I know that's unpopular. I'm going out on that Mike, you can't say that. Mike, you have neighbors. 
You need to quiet your voice. Oh, they're pulling out guns. <laughs> and they're shoving so many different things into their shotguns. <laughs> oh, no. We know how that works. No, but honestly, the fact that uh, Scorsese might lose all the awards this year to Christopher Nolan. Ew. While Trump wins the presidency. It's just the fact that God does exist and hates my tiny red ass. <laughs> he hates what you're all about. He fucking hates my ass. We can <sighs> we can draw it out for suspense sake, but there's no way, right? I mean, this just is Mean Street. No, I mean, like, uh, I do wish that. Uh, there's so many things that I have made in my life where I wish that before I made them, I had seen 12 things. And yeah. I wish that the director of coffee had watched Mean Street 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not how the time worked out. Ryan, Mean Street's for you. It is Mean Streets for me. Mike, Mean Streets for you? Yeah, pretend everything Ryan said about it, I said twice as smart and three times as funny. Mean Streets is my vote. And five times as loud. <laughs> Let's just keep going. Let's move right into Best Actress, Ryan. Who are our candidates for Best Actress? Greg, I know that you're bursting for a segue, and I'll give you one. Because right. Ellen was the star of The Exorcist. And she really was. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, not to take anything away from little baby Linda Blair, uh, who had obviously a lot on her shoulders in this movie, but I don't think that's who we're supposed to connect to, and I don't think the movie is in any way made like we are supposed to connect to Linda Blair. We're supposed to connect to her poor yeah, mother. Yeah, because she's the monster. Who... <laughs> oh, Linda, Linda Blair's the, the monster. monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's Ellen Burstyn as... I have to watch my daughter go through this and nobody can do anything for her except hurt her more more, and then tell me like, well, we got to try something else now. And she's like to watch her fall apart in a way that mirrors what Linda Blair is going through. It's the, the human stakes are what makes the exorcist work on an actual, like real life level. It's, it's such a drag that horror as a genre forgot what what this movie did well, what Shining did well, and then Halloween did it is uh, get a really good actor to star in your fucking movie, guys, and that'll make <laughs> well, that'll really help. I think that the the thing that they've been doing is casting Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. That's the one who's like, and this has been happening well, since the mid nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, with the Sixth Sense is like Tony Collette is uh, very capable and one of our best. This is the only nominee, by the way, that was actually nominated. I didn't do this for Best Actor. Uh, Marlon Brando, Jack Nicholson were nominated. Mm. Uh, we did not nominate Al Pacino and Robert Redford. Mm. And Jack Lemmon won for Save the Tiger. The movie I oh, heard yeah, about That's right bound now. to happen. Uh. Mike, the next nominee is Julie Christie for Don't Look Now. Yeah, it's – I think the the it's so easy. Our focal point character is Donald Sutherland more than Julie Christie. But she is a – and he gets, like, the bigger, like, oh, scenes, uh, both in fear and emotion. And I think she very quietly pins this movie down and makes it what it is. I, I think a different actress this movie would not be as high in your esteem for the two of you. I, I think she she crushes and does a very quiet grief. And, and also, um, those two sisters that come, uh-huh. like, she believes them. Yeah. And you don't, you don't believe them, 
but you believe she believes yes. them because of her deep grief and and how suddenly joyous she is at this idea that she's going to be able to contact her and daughter again against the nihilism of Sutherland, who is like nothing is nothing even to matters. make joy scary. It, I think it's very hard, <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like the midsummer thing, right? Yeah. Like she smiles a little bit too big. It's like, what is there to be so excited about here? And I get where her husband is coming from, but as somebody who is not her husband, I'd rather her be happy than not. Yeah. Right? Be yeah. happy and believe in your bullshit that doesn't exist. <laughs> Astrologist. Uh, Greg, the next nominee is Margot Kidder from Sisters. Okay, first of all, it has to be pointed out. She's doing double duty here. <laughs> okay, she's playing two different characters, two different personalities. Margot Kidder and Margot Kidder. She- do you think she gave Christopher Reeves a lot of tips for playing two characters later down the road? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one, put glasses on. The other one, don't wear glasses. The one without glasses stabs people in the dick. <laughs> but even within, you know, being just the one character, she plays like so many different shades. And I feel like she understood the type of movie she was in when she's the evil sister and the hair is down over her eyes. She's good at having that feral, crazed, stabby look. <laughs> Uh, and then back to the innocent, like, oh, I don't get what's going on. But I, I found her very magnetic in this movie. Uh, I mean, like, even down to, like, don't have a good French accent. No. Have a sister's movie-level <laughs> French yes. accent, you know? like That that beautiful Quebecois accent that is known all the world over. Mike, we're not the Oscars. Hell yeah. We're better. Rub it in. So we don't give Tatum O'Neill Best Supporting mm. Actress when she is clearly the lead oh, of the yeah. film. We nominate her for Best Actress. We don't say, like, oh, you're 12, so you get, or 8, so or absurd. whatever. Yeah, n- not only is she the lead actress, she's the lead of the entire movie. Yeah, so she's the protagonist. How dare you belittle her by giving her supporting. This movie would be not trash without her. Everybody else is doing a really fine job. But the minute you meet her and she has that scowl on her face endlessly watchable yes. and it, it, this feels like every kid actor that came after this had such a huge hole to fill like they could not do it kevin McAllister is dog shit compared to this little troublemaker <laughs> you know what it is their directors looked at their performances and went okay that's i guess that's the best it's yeah gonna be. and they didn't torture Donovich was like we will literally stay here all day until maybe you do this correctly. maybe as chris columbus fucking tortured those kids the first couple of harry potters would be better <laughs> Chris Columbus lo- watched this movie and said, oh, fuck, I am the worst Christopher Columbus <laughs> to ever live. <laughs> if I saw this movie, if I was the maker of To Kill a Mockingbird, the director, and I was like, oh, fuck, I made that movie too yes. soon, watching Tatum O'Neill yeah. in this movie. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah. She's so sharp. She's funny. Without doing much, you can see how she's taking in the entire world and knows how to play it. Uh, and again, without like waggling her eyebrows. Like I don't know how this kid is conveying everything she does. Torture. It's torture. <laughs> so you are backing up torture. You think it's a good I think idea. this movie pl- says it's worth it, and 24 says it's how we won the war on terror. <laughs> Paper Moon was Tatum O'Neill's first movie. Last Tango in Paris, Greg, was Maria Schneider's first movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, if anything comes out of this movie that is to feel joyous about, it's her performance and how... I don't know. It's one of those performances where, like, obviously this is not a accomplished actress. This is not somebody with a lot of experience. And then you realize, like, how much more 
real the performance can be from someone who's not quite as practiced and maybe a little bit more alive in the moment. Um, she's a bright spot, and that I think she that just sort of underscores what's so upsetting about what happened to her. But um, you know, she gamely makes it all the way through the entire movie and comes out as certainly the more interesting character you know i mean that's like the 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 switch that takes place you see her be completely subservient to him all the way to like abandoning him just trying to get him off her case quite literally and she's able to carry that across all throughout the movie for for such a young actor to be able to go toe-to-toe with one of like the biggest stars in hollywood for decades and be able to hold her own and make him keep up is wild i mean this is in between God, not that he's in Godfather Part Two, but in between Godfather and Godfather Part Two, like the, the, the uh, you need somebody brand yeah. new to step up and be like, I don't fucking give a shit, Brando. Brando, who cares? And maybe uh, somebody who doesn't know uh, how unorthodox some of the filming methods are. Right, somebody who's like, oh yeah, I guess this is how the movie union said this was okay. <laughs> Vera said that? Vera <laughs> God damn it. I get how sometimes we're about to say the same thing, but we're both about to say Vera yeah, that said is. that. That's a little <laughs> fucked up. Your nominees for Best Actress are from The Exorcist, Ellen Burstyn. From Don't Look Now, Julie Christie. From Sisters, Margot Kidder. From Paper Moon, Tatum O'Neill. And from Last Tango in Paris, Maria Schneider. And the winner is... Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Tatum O'Neill yeah. from Paper Moon. That makes sense. And you know what? Her dad's not around to give her a hard time about it. And I think that's something we can all be yeah. excited about. I wanted to win the Moody before you won the Moody. He didn't win Best Actor for Barry Lyndon, did he? He did no. not, no. Barry Lyndon. Big pile of shit. No. That's all I remember from that movie at this point is us saying the title badly. <laughs> I've, I've never seen Greg more mean than when Ryan O'Neill died and Greg was like fuck that big headed idiot that's true yeah I went pretty hard on, on, on his death it's day. just weird that you did it as a eulogy at his funeral <laughs> well they shouldn't have invited me it's like listen to the podcast you know what you're gonna get we're gonna take our last quickest of breaks of the season and when we come back we're gonna have our epic final battle and then we're going to call it a season after reflecting on 1973's Movie of the Year. Do you guys want to play a trivia game before we start? Of course. As long as it doesn't take too long, sure. Uh, best actor of the 1975 Moody's. Here we go. Uh, first one is Gene Hackman from the movie. Uh, that water movie. Water movie, yes. I'll give it to Mike. Night moves. Night moves. Next. Night moves. Next one, Tim Curry from the movie. Clue. Rocky Horror. Yep. Third one, Roy Scheider from? Jaws. Jaws. Fourth, Jack Nicholson. One Flew. Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoo's Nest. And then the winner was one Dunkachino himself. Al Pacino for Dog Day? Dog Day Afternoon. God, he's so good in that. Attica, baby. He says Wyoming like 10 times. Uh. Pacino versus Nicholson, once again. The 70s. It was just those two guys saying, I'm Jack. Don Cuccino. I'm Jack. Don Cuccino. <laughs> so, after that short digression, we still have to do it. 
This sucks, has, dude. I don't want to do it, this. Ty. It has been a long season full of many difficult battles, most of which went the exact opposite as Mike was hoping. <laughs> and that has led us to this place where we have Don't Look Now versus Mean Streets. Don't Look Now is our fourth seed. Mean Streets is our third seed. So not one and two, but right No, up there's there. a what an upset. Three and four. <laughs> Wait, what's one and two? Exorcist and two. Probably is... blame it on the tiger or whatever that Jack Lemon fucking movie was. I cannot remember what number two, what the number two seed was, because maybe it didn't even make it into. I'll look it up, Greg. Keep going. So we have the number three and the number four seed here, Mike. If you had to sit down right now yes. and watch one of these movies. What movie would you choose and why? Mean Streets. Uh, I think it is a better made film. Uh, and I think there's more to chew on and get out of it. It's I don't hate Don't Look Now. Uh-huh. I am baffled how far it's gotten. I w- it's probably I'd put it in like the bottom half of the movies for me. Uh, oh, okay. Of the bottom half of the 16. Of it's the not 16. in your top eight. It's probably, maybe it's like number seven or eight, if it's there. I don't have the list right beat, in front of me, but. Could it beat Sisters? It would be hard for it to. Wow. Okay. I guess th- this is one of those, I probably, I'm really excited to watch it in like six months because I don't fucking get what you guys love so much about it. And at this point, it's like, I'm annoyed that it feels like Ryan woke up and going, no matter what. Don't look now is gonna win. Uh, and for some but reason, like, I never said to that crawl. to you. You're annoyed because you woke up and made that shit up. No, because I've listened to you for the last three weeks, and it's clear only one movie ever had a chance in your heart. And you've that's not true though, because I don't even think it's gonna. I don't even think it's gonna win this match. No, I I, yeah, I've only been talking about one movie all night long. No, it's Don't Look Now is what you've been talking about, and uh, yeah, it's Mean Streets again. If we're talking. Uh, not just quality, but like what it then would go on to do and change cinema. It's not Don't Look Now. Mean Streets is my vote, clearly. Do we still, f- do you feel, Ryan, like we still feel the echoes of Don't Look Now? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that like there's so many directors that quote it as their, in their top four most influential movies. Absolutely. Mike, before you watched it, did you think it was going to be scary and then when it wasn't? Or did you think it was scary? Did you think it was going to be scary and then did you find it scary? Did you think it was too scary and then you covered your eyes with a blanket and then missed most of the movie? Yeah, I don't get that. I haven't most of the visual stuff you guys have talked about, I don't understand cuz the blanket. Yeah, I it was, it was a big quilt. Blanket. So I could did you, see some of them. Did you get so excited by the water hearse that you ran around the room and then pretended to drive a water hearse and uh-huh. then missed the movie? Yes. I it's I feel like I, I like experiments. I like tonal shifts. Just a lot of them in this movie did not work for me. And I think I could see that because there are some really big swings in this movie. And so if you're at all out of sync with it, I think you could, you know, feel like those are swings and misses. And then you there it's hard for you to recover. And it's, I, I love the Christie and Sutherland, I think, are phenomenal. I think they're they're great. I wish they had the the thing other actors do where they're like, let's make more movies together. Uh the, the, their their chemistry and lack thereof, uh, I think, is crackling. Yeah, but the sisters are a big miss for you. Yeah, there's just goofy elements that just really take a lot out for me. And versus like sisters, where it's like we're a goofy fucking movie. I'm like hell yeah, you yeah. are. You get what you're doing. Like, 
this movie couldn't decide whether it wanted to be serious or a B movie, and I think it's it cut undercut both of those for me then. And then we come to Mean Streets, and it feels like this is a very we are a pro Scorsese podcast. It's a rarity podcast. Brave enough to do that. Um, it's him like in his first real movie. Uh, if that's not actually true, then like the first one that counts, people will say. Um, the pairing of like the very naturalistic way it's shot with the music in a way that must have felt like so groundbreaking at the time. And re- even rewatching the movies of the seventies or of 73 felt groundbreaking mm-hmm. because we heard a lot of soundtracks that frankly were awful and uh, like gave us nothing. And then it also has like become a, a main way in, in which filmmakers communicate the feel of the movie is to use music in the way this does. Maybe too much. Maybe they, instead of learning the spirit of what he did, they kept using the songs he uses. The exact hey, <laughs> hey, other people, stop fucking using Rolling Stones. <laughs> Dear other people. Please stop using the Rolling Stones. <laughs> we get it. Your main character, he's a man of wealth and taste. Shut the fuck up. It feels like, as much as it could be at the end here, we've got one movie that towers above all the others. Ryan... You, I think I've been the, I, I agree with Mike that you've been the strongest proponent of Don't Look Now, although I think I've kind of been right there with you. I think you have definitely been the strongest proponent of um, Mean Streets. Are these your number one and two movies at the end here? These are definitely my two favorites, um, along with The Long Goodbye. But I do think that, like, going through the season, The Long Goodbye has been a little bit of a struggle for me. Uh, these two movies have, like, definitely jumped past the long goodbye for me yeah um i would say uh i don't know i just uh the long goodbye left me wanting more than what these two movies brought these two movies have like given me so much gifts i will say uh at this christmas time i don't uh, these are the movies that i just keep watching like i've watched these movies since we've done the episodes which has never happened to that's, me before. that's sick over that's your just that go to therapy I'm calling your wife right now. (laughs) Put her on the phone. Well, let's do it, gentlemen. Let's put in our final votes. We will each write down our final vote, seal it in an envelope, mail the envelope to each other, and wait in real time as the letters are delivered. Okay, the letters have been delivered. Real time is so fast these days. Yeah, it really is. The mail, they've gotten their stuff in order. Mike, what do you think is 1973's movie of the year? The Meanest of Streets. Ryan, what do you think is 1973's movie of the year? I I have to, like and this is it's uh, it's unfair because I don't think it maybe it's possible that like the director of Don't Look Now hasn't made a movie in 2023. And like I'm, he's just not on my mind. I'm not. I know how influential it is, but like, I have to go with Mean Streets. Mean Streets. There you go. 1973's movie of the year is Mean Streets. Now, Mike, it might have felt like for you, Don't Look Now went on too far. But how about looking at the whole thing now? We have our 1973 movie of the year. It is Mean Streets. Does that feel good to you? Does it feel like a good selection? Yeah, my my two. It would be Mean Streets and The Long Goodbye. And I'd be such a piss baby if 
don't look now one. I would just keep talking about like Wait, hold on. asterisk. <laughs> I would like to change my vote then. <laughs> well, if you did, Ryan, if you were to change your vote, I would have gone with Mean Streets. This was my one and two, my, my first and second favorite movies. Wait, hold I on. If, like... I, if I changed my vote to Don't Look Now, you would have gone with Mean Streets? Yeah. Yeah, like my deciding vote would have been Mean Streets. Interesting. Yeah. I just, I, I, and I think that it probably is something a little bit bigger than just the movies themselves. I think that, you know, launching a career that, as we've been talking about, spans until now and covers, like, some of the most important movies. And, of course, as a movie podcast, we like Scorsese. But I feel like there's, like, an extra gear. I feel like he's one of a a handful of directors for us that, like, have become more important, you know, than... than Michael Bay, Zack Snyder. Uh, Yeah, you know, we are major Snyder heads. Rebel Moon forever. Rebel Moon Uh, Part 1 coming out, Netflix. what the haters say. Uh gotta check out rebel moon it's like star wars but not woke i'm imagining i mean <laughs> i don't know the main right. character is a woman whoa okay back to sleep for me why did snyder betray us <laughs> now thinking of uh mean streets in the collection of movies of the year it also hangs in that territory doesn't it like i mean yeah. i feel like that this is a very strong entry for movie of the year i do too like the way that it's different uh to me is that I think Don't Look Now fits better with E.T., for instance, for 82. I think Blade Runner is sloppier than E.T. And and uh, kind of ironic because Don't Look Now actually features a Blade Runner. That lady running around <laughs> the knife, right? That is true. <laughs> um, I, what was our last one? Anybody remember? I you can't ask you, you yeah. rattled off three, and I was like, what? Both of you <laughs> Man, this guy knows what we've been up to. We just, what did we just do? We just did 2002? I can't remember. Come I have no on. Idea. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember I Eyes couldn't Wide tell you Shut, 19... and that's it. Uh, I couldn't was, even tell you 19. Was the 82 our last one? Again, let's just. Okay. Don't, why would you do this to us? On, so, <laughs> but we've been podcasting for seven hours. So, I think that ET was is more classically like mm, than Blade Runner, but uh, I would say that Don't Look Now is uh, closer to the ET pick. Mean Streets is the sloppier one, closer to Blade Runner, but Blade Runner lost. So, like, I do think that like we're not really putting down a pattern here got it I, okay for a while i had no idea what you're saying now I. so you say in a way we're not being internally consistent right well we're yeah, different well, people that, now that's on we youtube <laughs> i mean i i think i you know I, I take every new season and every new movie as a fresh experience because as we just have pointed out i can't even remember the things that we recently yeah. talked about just like each season of Movie of the Year is a new listener's new season, it's also sort of our first season of Movie of the Year. Yes, we yeah, it's a f- right. nothing. Do you, do you ever feel like talking to Mike is like talking to the fucking captain of the original Star Tours, right? <laughs> it and is my first time, you know. <laughs> Mine too. How have you you've done it for 50 years? How is it your first time still? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the 1973 Movie of the Year. I feel very good with our answer. No matter how we got there, we came to the correct final answer this is the end of my time hosting oh, it was 2002 I mean, and it was adaptation you fucking adaptation dumb shit 
I remember the, so clearly. I remember that adaptation. Uh, amazing movie. The DVD is still sitting on my entertainment system, and I'm like, I gotta put that away. That's been out. Or for watch it again. Six months. Or watch it again. Don't watch. You're never gonna watch it. I am handing the reins off, gentlemen. Who shall I hand them to? I am leaving the heights of the host I, and becoming a measly contestant. I think it's only fair. Uh, I lost all dog shit season, so I'm not even in a. I'm not in this fight, Ryan. I think you should. You deserve it. Well, before I take over the reins, I think that maybe we should all join hands and uh, first of all say incredible job, Greg. Yeah, Greg. What a congratulations! Yeah, I think we can all agree. Uh, I, I feel like that the two winners of 1973 are Mean Streets and Gregory, um, and then after- and maybe a third winner. America. Mm, I don't know, man. Consider that yeah, one. Consider can. America. I don't really want to do that. I'm over it. I'm over America. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be putting on red and blue, and then I'll be like, should I put on some white? No. Never. You were, you were born wearing copious amounts of white, Ryan. That's true. You're white, white skin. Pasty uh, ass bitch. Yeah, we got it, Mike. I don't. He doesn't need a flavor flave to his fucking <laughs> Everybody needs insulting a flavor Chuck flavor. D. Um, we're going to, after this season, we're going to start to hack the fuck through 2023 and all three of us, along with our other friends are going to, uh, help us do that. And then after that, gentlemen, I'm going to take the reins. Okay. Oh, I, I expected more than just like one sort of like. I didn't want, you also want Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt. I thought you were like building a, a, a tone and a mood there. No, I, I clearly paused for But sometimes I know this clapping. is hard because anytime you hear one of us pause, you just bulldoze in there and start talking. Sometimes people pause for effect. And I thought that's see, what you were doing. Listeners, do you see what I have to deal with here? They do. It's yours to deal with now, Ryan. Ryan, do you want to do you want to hint at the season or should they have to wait until they the end of the year stuff. We're going to go from 1973 and we're going to travel 11 years into the future to wow. sweet ass 1984. That's <gasps> Just right. Just like George Orwell said. In 2024, we're going back 40 years to 1984 to meet the Karate Kid, oh, Indiana shit. Jones, Freddy Krueger, Gremlins, oh, Ghostbusters. Shit. Uh, that fucking weird worm dog that uh, a tray you flies on, Falcor, bitch. Oh, Falcor. Uh, all of the those. The horse that gets depression. The horse that gets depression and then fucking kills itself in quicksand. Yeah. <laughs> Man, are we gonna get any arty movies? These are all fucking blockbuster. No, bangers. dude. This is the '80s. Uh, Wim Wenders, Vim Wenders made Paris, Texas. Oh yeah, Paris, Texas. Made that's up a, a movie. A made up a city. Time. That's my pick for winner, by the way. I'm going to announce that right now just to you. My pick for winner is Paris, Texas. But 1984 is coming soon after we kick the shit out of 2023 only on Movie of the Year. Greg, nice season. Thank you, friend. Keep watching those movies. Keep watching those movies. Damn. Movies. Season over.